Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this morning is from the Old Testament lesson from the uh, book of Ezekiel, the prophet. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, fellow redeemed. Now, this is a very exciting day for Ascension Congregation in that uh, after the we worship today, we will be calling a shepherd to lead and to guide us. And I kind of thought that it would be a good time to talk a little bit about the office of the ministry, what today, what the pastor owes the Christian people, and next Sunday, what God's people owe their pastor. So in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, your Christian friends, you know, there was a strange sign that appeared on the desk of a Pentagon officer. In bold letters, it read, the secrecy of my job does not permit me to know what I am doing. Now, a similar sign could also be placed on many a young pastor's desk. The sacredness of my job does not permit me to know what I am doing. You know, a pastor once confessed that during my vicarage, I often sat in my office and wondered what I should do with myself. Sometimes I didn't have a clue. And when I look back in my first years of ministry, I felt sorry for my congregation. I learned far more from them they learned, than they learned from me. A pastor's daughter in a fifth grade class who lived in Minnesota, a classmate asked her what her dad's real job was. He says, I know your, your father preaches on Sunday, but what does he do the rest of the week? Does he work at 3M? We kind of chuckle at that because we, but lots of people don't have a clue what a pastor is supposed to do and what he owes the people of God. Some people think that the pastor only works two hours a week because he has two services on Sunday. But in reality, a pastor gives his life for the flock. I'm going to give you a tongue-in-cheek notice that appeared in a church publication. Help Wanted. Minister for Growing Congregation. Man must be in his upper 20s with 30 years experience. Application, applicant must be experienced as a custodian, office worker, educators at all levels, salesman, diplomat, writer, theologian, politician, minor league athlete, doctor, psychologist, vocational counselor, funeral director, wedding consultant, master of ceremonies, a cheerleader, ministry, and a social worker. Right man is supposed to be a cultivating speaker and an intent listener. Will hold firm views of every topic, but be careful not to upset people who disagree. Must be forthright, but flexible. Returns criticism with Christian love and forgiveness. Should smile all the time with a straight face. 
because he has a sense of humor that keeps him seriously dedicated to his work. He must make 15 calls a day on members, spend all of his time evangelizing the, uh, evangelizing the unchurch and never go out of his office. He has a burning desire to work with the youth and spends all of his time with the older folks. Able to sound, to sound learned, but most of the time talks and acts like good old Joe. Applicant's wife must be both attractive and plain, smartly attired, but conservative in appearance and able to get along with everyone. Must be willing to work in the church kitchen, teach Sunday school, run the office equipment, avoid gossip, and never become discouraged. Applicant's children must be, must be very good in contact and, and character, yet basically no difference from the other children. No overtime pay. All of all replies keep confidential or kept confidential. Anyone applying will undergo full investigation to determine sanity. There. Well, this may or may not be one of the church's ministry descriptions. But what does God expect from the man serving God's people as their pastor? First of all, he is supposed to be a watchman. In Ezekiel 3, 16, God tells the prophet, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them a warning from me. And if you go to Ezekiel 33, it explains the role of a watchman. Now, in ancient days, the communities built these great big walls around the city to help protect them from evading armies. Watchmen would stand in the towers around the wall and to search in the horizon to, for any approaching enemy. And if they spotted any, an alarm would be sounded to warn the citizens. And that's what God has done. He has, he has churches call pastors to serve as watchmen for the members of that congregation. Notice that a watchman has two responsibilities. One, to listen to what God says. And two, to warn people for the Lord. In this, a pastor emulates Jesus Christ Jesus, who came to this earth as the Savior of the world, which we're going to be celebrating in a few weeks. Jesus, who never shied away from warning his people of their sins. Of course, he, do so, he did so always, so that he could proclaim the forgiveness of sins that he won by his death on the cross. And listen how seriously God takes this business of pastors being a watchman, warning his people. When I say to that wicked man, you must surely die, and you, will, and you do not warn him or speak to him to dissuade him from all evil ways in order to save his life, that wicked man will die for his sin, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the wicked man and he does not turn from his wickedness, his evil ways, from his evil ways, he will die for his sin and you will have saved yourself. Let me tell you as a, as a pastor 
There is no passage in the Bible that scares many of us pastors as much as this one. Because God holds the pastor, holds me, or holds any other pastor responsible to warn you when you rebel against him. And if we don't, God takes it very, very seriously. But God helps us in our weakness. What a gracious God we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. He took that frail human being like Peter, and you all know about Peter, and made him a great apostle out of him. He gives us the words of forgiveness to speak. He, gives, he compensates out of his fullness for all that we as pastors lack. Yes, he gives to us the sacraments to administer the people. Someone once said, pastors are like alarm clocks. They get the most abuse for doing their duty, waking people up. A pastor is a, is a shepherd. And in Ezekiel 34, God castigates the prophets and the priests of Israel. He calls them shepherds only. They weren't faithful shepherds. Instead of caring for the sheep, the people of God, they cared for themselves. He says they failed to strengthen those who are weak. And God then shared what he would do for his sheep. He says, I will tend them in a good pasture, and, the, and in the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There will, and then they will lie down in that land, and they will feed in that rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. And so what does that mean? It means that pastors owe God's people good nourishment. And as Paul writes to that young pastor, Timothy, he says to him, simple words, preach the word. He lays that, he says, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep in his death on the cross. Now risen from the dead, he rules and he reigns for all the people, guarding and protecting his flock from the evil one and leading it by the means of grace to still waters. As good shepherds lead their sheep to green pastures, so faithful shepherds lead the people of God into his word. Paul says they are to share it in season and out of season. We are to correct, we are to rebuke, we are to encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Now I want to put a little bit to, to your way of thinking too. As parents, have you ever had to tell a child that he needs to do something in a certain way? Sometimes the child's willing to listen. Sometimes he's not. Sometimes he doesn't want to listen. In fact, sometimes he may even tell you that he doesn't have to listen. But you know, a parent and a supervisor, it's your responsibility to communicate a matter. And that's the way it is for a preacher. He has to proclaim God's word, but he is to do so with great patience. And that word is always centered on that cross, the cross of Christ. Our Savior gave up his life to forgive your sins and my sins. He rose again to give to you and to me that gift of everlasting life. 
the prophet Jeremiah got so tired of talking about sin and about having people reject him and his message that he just wanted to keep quiet. But God wouldn't allow it. He writes, but if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Paul says that a time is coming when people who surround themselves with the teachers who will only tell them things they want to hear. They aren't going to care about sound doctrine. But just as parents owe to their children to feed them to balance meals and not just sweets and chocolates, pastors owe it to God's people to feed them balanced meals from God's word, from that bread of heaven that is good food, from the good news of forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. Being a pastor is the greatest occupation in the world. A story is told of Billy Graham once offered, been offered the nomination for president of the United States in the Democratic ticket. But Billy Graham declined saying, I believe that Jesus has called me to preach the gospel. To me, that's the highest calling anyone would have on this earth. The calling to serve as a pastor is a great calling, but it's a calling that always is connected by one's conduct. There was a great preacher called Merrill Tenney, and he said, you cannot separate the truth from the one who preaches it to you. And in his first letter to Timothy, St. Paul says, set an example for the believer's in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Nothing destroys a ministry faster than impurity and sin in a pastor's life. You see, pastors owe it to God's people to live pure lives. We owe that to you and to your families. And with God's help that, yes, we, poor sinful beings, as we confess this morning, like anyone else, are able to lead a moral and upright life. God strengthens me. He strengthens all pastors as they receive the sacraments, as they read its word. Yes, pastor, owe it to you to preach the gospel. It's to be clearly proclaimed in every message. And my greatest and, uh, responsibility is to comfort you. And this, above all things, the prophet Ezekiel tells Israel that their sins weighed them down and that they were rotting away and because of them. But then he shares the good news. He says, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I will, I, the Lord takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their evil ways and live. Pastors owe it to you to share that message that God doesn't want you to die because of your sin. Paul once declared that he wanted to share nothing with God's people but Christ and him crucified. And like him, I want you to know that God's heart of love for you, forgiveness is yours in Jesus Christ. 
Trust him. Trust him and his grace enables you to believe in him and live a new life. Amen.